Good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. Just excited that you guys all joined us for worship this morning. My name is Ryan. This is Joanna. Joanna is our college worship leader. Uh, man, it's beautiful outside. So we get to celebrate by coming together, gathering, and singing praises to a risen king. And so let's stand together this morning. Let's hear the words of the psalmist in Psalm 47. It says this. God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. And so we're going to bring back an old song this morning that we've been excited about singing. Um, It might not be old to everyone, it's old to us who grew up in the the mid-2000s, um, and so uh, this song's called Shout to the Lord, and so let's, let's sing it together. Tower. 
Amen. A women's retreat and it was just wonderful we met at a couple of houses in Fayetteville we sat under the teaching of Sue Addington and I personally feel like I have 10 new friends because something happens whenever you hear somebody's story and then you pray with them and you open the Word of God so this is my encouragement to you if you're not doing that Find the time and study the Word of God with somebody and pray with them. It can be life-changing. So today is one of my favorite days, Child Dedication Day. Families, come on up. So while they're getting up here, the Word of God tells us that the body of Christ has a role in passing on discipleship to the next generation. And the parents, of course... They have the largest role, the primary role. But your early education team down there, they are working so hard to empower these parents to not just teach these sweet babies and children about Jesus, but to teach them to love him and love him more than anything. And these parents have said that they want to be role models to their children of becoming more Christ-like. So let's meet these wonderful families. So first we have the Kaufman family. Um, the parents are Jeffrey and Alex Kaufman. And we'll start with Davis, Davis Philip Kaufman. The verse they've chosen for him is, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Cole, William Kaufman, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple, Psalm 27, 4. And finally, for the oldest, Benjamin Kyle Kaufman, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So that's the Kaufman family, and now we have the Wright family. Nora Marie Wright, whose parents are Daniel and Morgan. The verse they've chosen for Nora is Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord your God is an everlasting rock. So let's give them a hand. Now wait, stay up here, stay up here. One of, one of the reasons that they're here on the stage today, well, they have already celebrated with their community and friends, but the reason they're here is that they are asking you all, the body of Christ, to take this journey with them. And scripture tells us that we are to love and serve one another. So if you're willing to love and pray for 
and support these sweet families, say, I will. Thank you. All right, let us pray. Father God, you are so good. You know these children. You know these precious, precious gifts from you. And you know the plans you have for them. Father, I ask that you give these parents wisdom. I ask that you give these children just an excitement and a desire to follow you all the days of your life. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Margo. Well, church, last week, Jimmy and uh, the team introduced a new song to you. It's a song that we wrote as a team for this series in Ephesians that we're going through. It's called The Reckoning. And so um, you learned it last week. Hopefully you were here and you got familiar with it as Joanna led it. She's going to lead it again. And so join us in singing this week. So if you would, let's stand together. Let's sing this new song.
church as we have been going through this Ephesians series as a body each week. We've been leaning into this idea, this rhythm that we need to remember our need for a Savior. We need to confess our sins corporately as a body of believers. We also need to be reminded of our pardon that we have in Jesus. And so church, let's say this together. Heavenly Father, have mercy on us. We have not loved you as you deserve. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not obeyed you as we should. Lord, forgive us our sin. We are in need of a Savior. And for those of us who have found that Savior in Jesus, we've committed our lives to following him. We believe in his life, death, and resurrection that we now have hope in the risen King. And so church, believe the good news Jesus died for us. Jesus rose for us. Jesus intercedes for us. In him, we are a new creation. In him, we have forgiveness of sin. In him, we have a savior. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You guys can have a seat. As the offering plates are being passed, you can, you can give and worship in that way if you choose to do so. I wanted to sing um, over us a, a new, probably a new song for most of us in the room. Um, it's called Firm Foundation. And it just says this. It says, Christ is my firm foundation. He's the rock on which I stand. And if I can just be honest for a second, um, I feel like my family and I's foundation has um, tried to be shaken here recently. We've, we've been finding out that there's a lot of health stuff going on and, and friends and family surrounding us. And I know for a fact that so many of you in this room um, understand exactly what I'm talking about because a lot of you are the ones that are going through some of the, the health stuff. And I don't know what it is about um, health that just rocks us so much. Um, but it's, it's not really something we can control I guess, and maybe that's, that's why it feels like we're, we're on shaken ground. And so I'm, I'm singing this song out of necessity for myself this morning. Um, and I pray that, that you too, whatever, whatever's going on in your life, no matter uh, how firm or how unsteady it may feel, you can look to Jesus and say, he is my firm foundation. He's the rock on which I can stand. And so if you know the song, sing it out. Christ is my firm foundation The rock on which I stand Everything around is shaken Oh, I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus Oh, he's never
Do you stand for the reading of God's word? வாசிக்கும்படி தெரிந்து கொள்ளப்பட்ட பகுதி எபேசியர் மூன்று ஒன்று முதல் பதிமூன்று வரை இது நிமித்தம் பவுலாகிய நான் புறஜாதியாயிருக்கிற உங்களுக்கு பொருட்டு கிறிஸ்து இயேசுவின் நிமித்தம் கட்டுண்டவர்களாயிருக்கிறேன் உங்களுக்காக எனக்கு அளிக்கப்பட்டிருக்கிற தெய்வ கிருபைக்குரிய நியமனமும் இதனன்று கேட்பீர்களே அதுவெனவெனில் புறஜாதிகள் சுவிசேஷத்தினாலே உடன் சுதந்திரமாய் ஒரே சரீரத்திற்குள்ளவர்களாயி கிறிஸ்துவுக்குள் அவர் பண்ணின வாக்கு தத்துக்காக உடன் பங்காளிகளுமாயிருக்கிறார்கள் என்று இந்த இரகசியத்தை அவர் உங்களுக்கு தெரியப்படுத்தி அறிவித்தார் இதை குறித்து நான் முன்னமே சுருக்கமாய் எழுதியிருக்கிறேன் இதை நீங்கள் வாசிக்கையில் கிறிஸ்துவின் இரகசியத்தை குறித்து எங்களுக்கு உண்டாயிருக்கிற அறிவை தெரிந்து கொள்ளலாம் இந்த இரகசியம் இப்பொழுது அவருடைய பரிசுத்த போஸ்தலருக்கும் தீர்க்கதரிசிகளுக்கும் ஆவியானவர்னாலே வெளிப்படுத்தப்பட்டிருக்கிறது போல முற்காலத்தில் மனுபுத்திரனுக்கு அறிவிக்கப்படவில்லை தேவனுடைய பலத்த சத்துவத்தினால் எனக்கு அளிக்கப்பட்ட வரமாகிய அவருடைய கிருபையினாலே இந்த சுவிசேஷத்தை ஊழியக்காரனானேன் பரிசுத்தவான்கள் எல்லோரும் சிறியவனாகிய நான் கிறிஸ்துவனுடைய அளவற்ற ஐஸ்வர்யத்தை புறஜாதிகளிடத்தில் சுவிசேஷமாய் அறிவிக்கிறதற்காக இந்த கிருபை எனக்கு அளிக்கப்பட்டிருக்கிறது தேவன் நம்முடைய கத்ராகிய கிறிஸ்து இயேசுக்குள் கொண்டிருந்த அநாதி தீர்மானத்தின்படியே உன்னதங்களில் உள்ள துறைத்தனங்களுக்கும் அதிகாரங்களுக்கும் அவருடைய அனந்த ஞானமானது சபையின் மூலமாய் இப்படி தெரிவிக்கும் பொருட்டாக கிறிஸ்து இயேசுவை கொண்டு எல்லாவற்றிலும் சிறுசிஷ்ட தேவனுக்குள் ஆதி காலங்களில் முதல் மறைந்திருக்கிற இரகசியங்களுடைய ஐக்கியம் இன்னதென்று எல்லோருக்கும் வெளிப்படையாக காண்பிப்பதற்கு இந்த கிருபை எனக்கு அளிக்கப்பட்டிருக்கிறது அவரை பற்றும் விசுவாசத்தில் அவர்களுக்குள் நமக்கும் தைரியமும் திட நம்பிக்கையுடன் தேவனிடத்தில் சேரும் சிலாக்கியமும் கிடைத்து கொண்டிருக்கிறது ஆகையால் உங்கள் நிமித்தம் நான் அனுபவிக்கிற உபத்திரவங்களினால் நீங்கள் சோர்ந்து போகாதிருக்க வேண்டிக் கொள்கிறேன் அவைகள் உங்களுக்கு மகிமையாய் இருக்கிறாதே Did y'all get that? Thank you so much. And it's so good to continue to hear the Word of God uh, being spoken and read in the different languages of the world. Did you know that I, I believe here in um, Fayetteville, um, through our university experience, um, there's at least 105 different nationalities represented here Uh, among the, the other ethnicities that, that make up our community here in Fayetteville. So I'm super excited to um, hear the Word of God read like that. And the Lord hears those words and their praise to His ears as well. Good morning, Sid Norbash. How are you, buddy? Good to see you on the front row this morning. Hey, if you're new with us, my name is Clark, and uh, I have the privilege of serving as one of your pastors here at Fellowship Fayetteville. And we're super um, grateful to have you with us in worship this morning. Um, a few things as we get started this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn there. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be in uh, verses 1 to 13 this morning. And uh, if you have your journal guide with you, go ahead and turn to that little section uh, called the mystery of Christ. And so that's where we're going to be taking notes this morning. If you have your pens, get those pens out. I'm going to have you interacting with our text this morning. 
And so we're going to uh, try to keep you engaged in a lot of different ways uh, this morning. A few things I want to uh, bring to your mind just so you know who you're worshiping with this morning. We have the privilege today, and we do this a few times a year, to have our students with us um, this morning, this service and the next service. And so they're over here, all right? They're kind of my amen corner this morning. And uh, we believe in you, and you're the future of our church. And we want you to know that we're praying for you. And we know that the world that you're, you're growing up in and you're following Jesus in is, is not easy. And we've got your back. And so thank you for being faithful to follow Jesus at such a young age. And uh, we're going to be in this with you. Um, also, I wanted you to know that um, some of you uh, ask when certain natural disasters happen, how you can help. We've got a, uh, through this QR code, or you can just go on our website and type in um, disaster relief, and it'll take you uh, to a place where you can donate. And I've got this um, just the other day from, uh, from Mickey Rapier, our directional leader, and he had been on the phone with a partner church in the Fort Myers, Naples area, and he said this, I've just finished talking with them, along with the guy who will guide their efforts. They're tearfully appreciative as they know how much a difference we were able to help them some five years ago, and another thing that we partnered with them in, helping where help was needed. And he says this, you can assure people that give that every dime given will go directly to those who have the greatest need. They are on the ground and engaged with the people of Fort Myers and Naples. And so if you have an interest in giving to something like that, um, just know that this is the way to do it, and um, we'll try to keep you updated on some of the process and the progress there. Um, well, like I said, we are um, uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, 1 to 13 here, and we're just going to kind of work through this slowly, um, verse by verse, looking at some different phrases here. Some of you today are going to be, if, if you were with us last week, this is going to feel a little bit redundant, okay, um, because we've already unearthed this mystery, if you will. It's now been found out. God's revealed it to us um, in Christ. And so, but for some of you, if you weren't here, this is going to be kind of new information. Some of us, if you're like me, you have a thick head and you need to hear things twice. And some of you, um, there's other things in your life that your, your spouse or a parent that you're always hearing from twice to keep doing the same thing or to remember something. And so we all need to be reminded of things. The reason we need to hear this, this is kind of a part two from last week. And did Brian not do an amazing job illustrating um, just the oneness that we have in Christ and how God has brought the Jews and Gentiles together? He did a great job there. Um, the reason this matters is if you, if we don't ha understand the theological foundations or underpinnings of all the commands that are coming in chapters four, five, and six, can be really difficult to walk in obedience, okay? Because who we are, what we believe, determines what we do and influences our motivations and our ability to persevere in bearing with one another in love. So today we're gonna, we're gonna double down on this and we're gonna lean back in and, and look at this mystery of Christ, which by the way, I also wanted to ask you this because I asked you to do this four weeks ago in our first teaching in this series. 
I ask you to memorize with me Ephesians chapter 1, 3 to 14, okay? How we doing? This is not encouraging. Would someone like to stand up and quote it right now in front of your church family? No, I know you don't want to do that. The reason I ask you is that my wife, Pam, a few weeks ago, and I didn't ask permission to share this, but we'll deal with that later, I guess. She said, you know, you guys ask us to do a lot of things, and then you never follow up and hold us to them. Go Pam. That's what I'm doing right now. Stay with this. Our goal is to have it memorized by Thanksgiving, okay? We're in October now, and so let's uh, stay on task and let God's word transform our heart and our mind. Well, here we go. Ephesians chapter three, verse one. And we're gonna look at the first three words of this verse for just a second. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. When you see, for this reason, always referring back to what's been said. If you've taken our um, our Bible study class, personal Bible study, um, then you understand this when you see a because of or um, for this reason, he's referring back to what's been said in chapters one and two. Um, for this reason, because of these truths, because of your new identity in Jesus, because of the spirit that's now in you, because you were once dead, but God created you for good works in him. Because of these things, are true, and because these things are true from last week, and Brian helped us see some of these things, because his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity, because we both have access, both Jew and Gentile, to the Father by one spirit, because now we're being built up into a dwelling that God lives in through and by his spirit, because these things are true, now hear what I'm about to say, Okay? Because these things are true. And does anybody remember our four words from the first week? Sovereignty, identity, unity, glory. We're going to get a little bit of all that today again as well. Sovereignty, identity, glory. We're going to get a little bit of all that today again as well. Sovereignty, identity, unity, and glory. And you're going to see that more here in just a little bit. For this reason... Because of these things are true, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. It's interesting, Paul's leaning into his circumstance, and he's leaning into, in his circumstance, his core identity. Note the use of this phrase, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. You see, his very circumstance and condition is rooted because of what he's doing in and through Christ for the sake of the Gentiles hearing the gospel. If you go down to verse seven and eight, he says, I became a servant, another identity statement, the way he sees himself, of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. In verse eight, although I am less then the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. To do what? To preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. This type of language that we see in Paul is not new to him, okay? If you're taking notes in your margins there, uh, write this cross-reference, 1 Timothy 1, 
15. He says, here's a trustworthy saying. Christ came into the world to save sinners. Listen to what he says about himself. Of whom I am the worst. And some of you are thinking, wow, if Paul's the worst, I got no shot here. I mean, we, we elevate Paul here, but he says, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ would display his immense patience. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse nine, I'm the least of all the apostles and do not even deserve to be called one because I persecuted his people. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul seems incredibly secure as what we might call a sinner saint sent one, which is what the word apostle means. He seems in rhythm with who he is and where he stands with the Lord, incredibly secure here. Note this, Paul's identity here in this first verse, his identity in Christ informs his mission, his calling, his purpose. We often get it backwards, right? We often think that what we do determines who we are. In this case, who we are, who Paul is, determines his mission and what he does. Everything about who he is and has become is done by grace. It's done by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and he finds himself in a great place. If we see ourselves, as Paul does, as God sees it, sees us, then we will be transformed and compelled to be active in his mission. And so we see that here. Now we get into the mystery. And we're gonna unpack this in a real simple way, answering these questions. How do we get the mystery? How was it revealed? What is it? And why does it matter? Why does it matter? Mystery, in its most rudimentary form, uh, and we've talked about this a little bit, it's something previously hidden, but now revealed, okay? It's also something that we didn't technically search out and find, God revealed it. And so this mystery specifically is something known only to the initiated. God had to reveal this to us. Um, the original, the derivative of where we get the Greek word, it comes from this phrase, muo, and it means to shut the mouth of, okay? Any mystery that's misunderstood or not understood or that you can't understand or see, you stand there speechless. Your mouth is closed. You've got nothing to say. You can't figure it out. There's, a, there's an awe or a, there's some consternation about what's going on here. Well, in this case, it's been revealed 19 different times this word is used in Paul's letters, seven times in this letter to the Ephesians and four times in chapter three. Some other mysteries in the New Testament where this word is used. It's used in Romans 11 where it speaks of Israel's hardened heart. It speaks of this idea that we talk about in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, the rapture called a mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory in Colossians 1 is referred to as a mystery. The root of our godliness in 1 Timothy 3. Christ and his bride, we're gonna get to that in chapter five, is referred to as a mystery. And then certain details, for certain, um, of the end times are, are called a mystery in Revelation 10. 
And so how is this revealed? And we see the language here as we begin to work through our passage, beginning in verse two here. Paul says this. This is how we know the mystery. The administration of God's grace that was given to me, it's something he personally received for you, Gentiles, Ephesians church. Verse three, the mystery made known to me by revelation. Jump down to verse five. This has been made known or revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This is not new teaching uh, that Paul's bringing here. If you're familiar with 2 Timothy 3.16, we understand that all scripture is God-breathed. Part of how he's revealed himself is through his word. In 2 Peter 1.20, we understand that no prophecy of scripture was produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Um, He says that after his conversion in Galatians chapter one, I didn't receive this from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it by revelation personally from Jesus Christ. You see, we are a people of revelation. We know God in and through his work in creation. We know God in and through the work of his son, and we know God in and through the revealed word of God that we have. And he makes those things clear to us by his Spirit. Is God not gracious to make it really clear? It's why we have and we rest under this morning as a people called out to follow Jesus. We stand under the authority of the word of God. And so he appeals to that. We're a people of revelation. And so if that's how we got it, then what is it? It's maybe one of the most um, clearest verses or passages that we have surrounding this idea of mystery here and that he makes it plain in the way he states it in verse six. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are three different things here. The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. You see, often I think we thought that the mystery was that the gospel went to the Gentiles. And as amazing as that is, we knew that even from uh, uh, God's promise to Abraham that it was gonna make itself known to the world and the gospel was gonna push out. Even Jesus did that in his ministry, okay? But one of the implications of that is this mystery that they would become one, Jew and Gentile, and they would become what we call the church. And while God-given distinctions are highlighted and appreciated, the divisions are now made obsolete. And this unity is unique because the gospel brings unity actually through diversity. It's amazing how God does that. Heirs, we've moved from slaves to sons and daughters. We're one body now, therefore we take care of one another. We have the same salvation in Jesus Christ. He says it this way in Galatians, and you can see this on the screen. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Maybe this will help you 
see as you unearth some of the different metaphors that are used of God's family. We use the word kingdom. Paul often used, uh, uses the word citizen of a different kingdom, not an earthly kingdom. We have equal citizenship in this kingdom. When we use temple language, it's, it's an inference that one, as Jew and Gentile, we now have equal access to the throne room of God. We're one family. We have an equal inheritance. We're one body. We have equal responsibility. And what God really got into my heart with this week related to this, it's amazing that under any circumstance, we as Gentiles who were once far off would under any condition consider ourselves greater or superior than anyone else based on ethnicity, based on religious heritage, or social demographic. There's no place for that. He's brought us near, and he's brought us into this kingdom, this temple, this family, this body. There's no junior varsity, varsity. There's no inner circle, outer circle. We've all been brought in. 17 years ago, um, through a series of circumstances, uh, my father adopted one of his grandsons, my sister's youngest son, and legally brought him into the family. And so his name is Cody, and Cody's a great kid. He's 19 now, and uh, God's been really gracious to Cody over the years. Well, when my father passed away um, last March, and uh, I began to kind of help the family settle his estate and and began to think through, okay, how does this work, those kind of things, it, it dawned upon me that Cody is a co-heir with me and my sister, his mother. Sounds like something out of Huntsville, doesn't it, right? All right, don't email me later. We're all related, right? Yeah. But I have a nephew brother who's now a co-heir with me of my father's estate. And literally after we had done the estate sale, the garage sale, I remember um, coming up with an actual figure that we had to sign off on and then distribute the money or write the check. And it was the same number for my sister, for myself, and for my nephew, brother, co-heirs. We're equal, one, in Christ as Jew in Gentile, sharing in the air and the riches, the inheritance that were talked about in chapter one. We have that privilege, and that's good news for us this morning. But what I want to spend the rest of our time with this morning is unpacking the why. Why does this matter? Okay, We're talking a lot about it. Last week, this week, we've talked about it, just about every teaching, this mystery. Why does it matter? Verse 10, very clear on why this matters. This is probably the most important reason this matters. His intent, God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. According to what? His eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see a little bit of sovereignty there going on. We consider that through the church, his manifold wisdom is being made known. What is that, manifold wisdom? Manifold simply means multi-sided. 
or multifaceted. Um, one commentator said many colored. It'd be if I, if I had a big diamond here and I was turning it in the light and you see the multifaceted wisdom. It's the weight, the glory of God we talked about in week one. It's the glory of God revealed. And this wisdom, this manifold wisdom is made known to a certain group of beings, rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What is that? We could do basic Bible study together. When you have a question and you need clarity on something, you look, is this used, is this phrase or these words used in this letter? Does Paul refer to these rulers and authorities? And yes, he does. We're gonna go back to chapter one. See it on the screen there. When when Christ was seated at God's right hand in the heavenly realms, verse 20 there, verse 21, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. You go over to Ephesians chapter six and we're gonna have a whole teaching on this passage. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, okay? I know this is where it gets really strange for some of you. We're getting into things that are unseen. We can see one another, and we like to trust what we can see. There's an unseen realm out there that is as real as we're standing, that I'm standing here today. God's messengers, his angelic host, They serve him in this space. There are also evil forces at work behind the darkness in the kingdoms of this world that shake their fist in pride up against God. And some of you know this. You've sensed it before. Maybe in our own nation, but if you travel around the world, you've sensed that too. There's there's this darkness that's behind the cosmos. These are the authorities that God's manifold wisdom is being made known to. Now go with me here, okay? Let me suggest this, given the context. Good angels, evil forces, okay? Could it be that when the angels look in on what we call the church, the fact that Jew and Gentile are now one and they're bearing with one another in love, angels go, only God could do this. You're worthy of worship. We've seen, we've seen a part of God that, that, that we've never seen before. And then when you consider the, the evil rulers and forces of the world, this is a statement of victory and conquest, because at the cross and at the empty tomb, at the formation of the church, God now stands victorious. And it's as if he's mocking those evil authorities in victory and conquest. You've lost and the gospel has made peace, not just between God and man, but between men and men. We're now one new body, one new humanity, our unity with one another. In the gospel, it is the churches. It's our great apologetic, if you will. 
By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. This language is not new. Remember in week one, verse 10, when the times reach their fulfillment, God is gonna bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ, and he's began that process in the church. It's our first big why, God revealing his glory through the unity in the church in a conquest that demands worship. Second reason this is important, and this one's really simple, is that in him, in verse 12, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. We can at least, as Garland unpacked that prayer for us in week two, and he's gonna unpack another one for us uh, next week, we can at least pray those prayers with confident access and freedom that both Jew and Gentile now can come to the throne room of God and pray bold prayers. Third and final reason, verse 13, I ask you, therefore, because of all these things that are true and because of the manifestation of God's glory in and through the church and over the authorities in the unseen realms, because of all these things, I ask you, therefore, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, Ephesians church, which are your glory. So why does this mystery matter? It's our immunity to discouragement. It's our immunity uh, to discouragement. Paul sees purpose in his trial. Uh, You see, their faith in Christ is worth, in his mind and heart, their sufferings. It is God's will for both him and them. Ephesian church, don't fret over me. God is working in and through me in my circumstance and it's worthy of his glory. He's doing a work in and through you, and so let's do this together. My charge to us this morning as a family of faith is to live the mystery. Can we live this mystery? And, and let's, let's take it from this, this static 30-minute teaching experience and figure out ways to begin a visible expression of this, not just in these walls, but in the living rooms, in the offices, in the parks, in the places, in the public sphere all over Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're now both insiders, both Jew and Gentile, to God's promise. And by no doing of your own, by the way, or my own, I am still fascinated that how God made a gospel pathway at Asher and University in Little Rock, some of you know where that is, off Lancaster and Butler Road in Little Rock, and then in the winter of 1985, the gospel made its way to a little church on Reynolds Road in Saline County. It's now a gas station. But in God's good sovereign pleasure, there was a man by the name of Terry Holmes, and he spoke the mystery to me. And the gospel came alive, not just here, but here. I know doing of my own, responsive trust in Christ and what he accomplished on my behalf, and now I get to be in this kingdom. I'm a fellow citizen. We all have stories. We're now fellow citizens, and and the stories are part of his great glory and work in and through 
the church. We're the same family, the same body now, the same temple, and I'm in it with you. And I need you as I try to play my part, play your part too in living this mystery. We'll sum it up with this. Let's be the church together. Let's be the church together. What that may mean for some of us in the room is that some of us need to walk in active repentance in our behavior, in our motives, in the way we think about others based on ethnic prejudice. The Jews had to work through this towards the Gentiles. I'm not asking us to do anything that has not been asked of them to do. And the Gentiles and the way they treat Jews as well. Religious differences, socioeconomic differences. Sean Schwartzman did a great job unpacking that and helping us understand some of those things last week. Some of us in here have allowed certain political differences that technically have no dogmatic clarity in the scriptures get in the way of being one in the gospel. Whether you lean right or left. And the gospel's been clouded because of our differences there. And I would ask you to repent from that way of thinking. And the way you use your mouth to slander those in those spaces. And some of us, there's brokenness and division inside our families. And maybe there needs to be repentance there if we're going to be active in one in the scriptures. Let's live the mystery, the collected people of God this week. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the revelation of your scripture, your son, and creation in your word by your spirit. God, I pray that you would give us boldness to walk in the grace that is in Christ Jesus with one another. God, I pray that you would give us, uh, bring to mind in the moment as we go throughout the week, creative ways that we can express uh, the truth of this mystery as we interact with one another. We're on the same playing field here. Help us live like it's true. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and let's respond and worship this morning. Come behold the wondrous mystery in the dawning of the King. He, the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity. In our longing, in our darkness, now the light. Of life has come. Look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh to ransom us. And come behold the wondrous mystery, he the Son of man, and in his living, in his suffering, never trace nor stain of sin.
citizens, uh, co-heirs, the inheritance that we have in Christ. Let me leave you with this. Remember that word, muo, means to shut the mouth of? What if in this room we lived this week as if that was true in how we treated one another? Could the world look in speechless? The world's mouth shut. Only God could do this. And so many of you know that only God could do that in your situation and circumstance. Let's shut the mouth of the world, cause it to be speechless because we're living the mystery. Church family, if you have need for prayer, um, if you're carrying a burden or a weight or you want to celebrate because of what God's done in your life, just so you know, our prayer room's available to you on the right um, as you exit today. Hey, thanks for being a great family of faith. Uh, we love you, and we'll see you next week.